everyone, and welcome to Honey Badger Radio. My name is Brian, and this is the Fireside Chat, and we are at Fireside Chat number 175. So this is a pretty decent number, and I'm here with a very special guest. Um, should I just say the whole thing? Like, blonde in the belly of the beast. Uh, it was such a... <laughs> I, I never thought my YouTube channel would go anywhere, and so I'm like, this yeah. moniker doesn't matter, and now I'm mm. I'm too deep in it. Like, I wish I could <laughs> Yeah, exactly. My name so is Rebecca, we... so Rebecca. that should help. <laughs> okay, no, that's huge, because I was like, should I figure out what her name is, or should <laughs> we just go with, like, an acronym, like, bin, uh... whatever. <laughs> So welcome to welcome to uh, Honey Badger Radio. It's really great to have you. Um, I you know I, I wasn't sure what there's so much that I want to talk to you about, but one of the things that I was especially impressed by was I watched your stream this past Sunday, and um, I'm unfortunately I don't catch a lot of these. So, but what I did catch that I thought was really neat was I guess. There are people in your community, you formed a kind of community around your channel of like regular viewers and such. And I guess they're like forming real relationships, right? Yeah, yeah. I think we're at 10 relationships, like, you know, man, woman relationships and three engagements. And I'm pretty sure some people have had some kids. So what? it's just incredible. Like th these meetups started as small little things where people could get together and say whatever they wanted. And then they became international meetups. And we had one in, we had a Beijing meetup and stuff. And then it just started to grow. And now the pictures we get of people, it's like, sometimes it's like 40 or 50 people have come together totally based on our show to just hang out with each other and talk about whatever they want. And I think that is so cool. Um, I'm so proud of the community that we've built. I never expected this to happen, but uh, it's, it's fantastic, especially the marriages coming out of it. Yeah, that that is awesome. Like, uh, you know, I say that because I think that at the at the root of what we're trying to do here at this channel, we want to um, build bridges between men and women. I mean, yeah. ultimately, that's the you know, and I think that there's a lot of things that people talk about on the news, a lot of the issues that they bring up, all of these various ways that we're, you know, supposedly divided. Um, but I think that at the end of the day, the only unity that is I, what I believe is the most important is the the bridge between men and women. Mm -hmm. And I think that that what you're saying is actually pretty like um, promising because it shows that. Well, I guess it you know it demonstrates that there that men and women are are trying to find each other in this crazy world, and that in your um, you know community that's happening, and that's that's great. Yeah. I mean, what do you even do now if you have to date? <laughs> oh my God! No, freaking nightmare, God! It it really is. It really is. So, um, what? Speaking of um, uh, men and women. So, why did you decide to start making videos? Um, it was, it was somewhat impulsive, and I was working these these kind of dead end jobs, and I was really dissatisfied with my personal life, and I just. I just wasn't feeling whole and complete. And I was also really angry all the time. Like I, I was walking around Seattle and I'm just seeing the society fraying around the edges. And I'm like, everybody's just walking around like this is normal. Like, like this is normal stuff. And the relationships between men and women, and this, is, this seems like such a travesty to me. So I was just furious all the time. And so the first video that I made, I just like, 
I, I can't believe it went viral because I'm just sitting on my bed and my laptop is is on my lap. It's like moving around. I'm using my built-in camera <laughs> and, and audio and everything. And I'm just ranting at the camera for like 20 minutes about how everything's messed up. It was just cathartic for me. Mm -hmm. So I just posted it and I'm like, this isn't going to go anywhere. I'll just continue working these dead-end jobs. Um, and then and then it it did. And, and what really was the the last thing, like the last straw, I went to Europe um, and I, I loved going to Europe. You know, I, I went there when I was a teenager and it was so beautiful and everything like that. And, the, and then I went in 2015 and I look around and it's just, it's just migrants like everywhere. And I, and I was getting treated like garbage. I couldn't believe what was happening. I was getting sexually harassed all the time and nobody was doing anything about it. And everybody there was acting like it was normal too. And so I was mm -hmm. like, people need to talk about what's going on and we can't just act like all of these things like Seattle is normal like what, what's happening in Austria and and Paris are normal <clears throat> and so I, I just decided that I was gonna start ranting online mm -hmm. totally destroy my life what have I done <laughs> <laughs> yeah right yeah. but um it, it it did seem like it snowballed into something and now uh this is kind of what you do. What what do you <laughs> aside from, you know, I guess because I guess you do interviews on your channel. You were also making videos. I actually watched uh, one of your videos. I think it was called uh, What's the Problem with the Right or something mm -hmm. like that, where you were um, sort of talking about, you know, your thoughts on where the sort of I don't even know if we call it the right, but like the, the sort of dissident sphere. Yeah. of commentators you know that don't like they're, they're not part of this sort of more progressive um move and uh yeah it just seems like you're you know on the one hand trying to make sense of things also asking you know people to like get their shit together um it's okay if you want to like you know curse on the show okay we, i wasn't sure care. no no yeah it's okay go ahead do what you gotta shit, do fuck <laughs> but I also think um, uh, you you make a lot of really great points, and I actually appreciate the rage because you know I noticed that um, like we've been doing this show for I don't know at least seven years now, and I I get so tired of saying the same thing over and over and over. You know? No, yeah. Like I think I even said that on the show last night because. Uh, we were talking about something uh, that led to us discussing the wage gap. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Megan Rapinoe. Yes, it's like yes. 2021. Are we still talking about the fucking wage gap? Like, I can't <laughs> do this anymore. And in 2015, <laughs> when I'm buying my emergency food supply and all this stuff, I didn't think that in, we'd be in the same place in 2021. Mm -hmm. I, I can't I can't believe it. Like, I, I will not explain the wage gap to anyone ever again. I'm not doing this. I'm so tired. Can we move on to something else? Like talking about how society is collapsing before our eyes. Is anybody <laughs> going to talk about this? <laughs> well, you know, it's it's funny that because I feel the same way. I get sick and tired of repeating myself, even to people who supposedly know this. But it's like they forget, like, yeah. you know, like people I know, people I know personally that I've spoken to about these things. But um, I think that that's that is what we're up against. This this these narratives, they're never ending because yes. the people who are speaking them, the people who are repeating and contributing to these things. They're either drones that have no idea what they're saying. They're just repeating what other people told them or they know it's a lie and they don't care. Yes. And I'm inclined in most cases, it's the latter. I'm inclined to believe yeah. that in most cases where it matters, like people that are 
celebrities or politicians, academics, like they they're all, they're just going to keep on lying. And I think that um this is why it's frustrating because you know and it's it goes to something that you said in your video, like once you know these things, once you know this truth, you can't undo that and it affects everything the way that you yeah. you know interact with people like i have you know uh friends who i've known for many years and i've explained my positions and i've made my arguments and they have said i agree with you 100 percent. you're right about this thing and then something will come up like outside of us you know like oh uh, so and so accused so and so of sexual harassment or something right and after everything i've said they'll they'll just go right back to square one yeah i guess there's a problem with rape culture in our society or you know what i mean like it's like but we just had this talk you know or when megan rapinoe or who was the um there was a female actress in hollywood that complained that uh, she was in a film and there was a male actor that got a lot more money than her but oh, the reason uh, yes it was the girl from room uh brie larson brie larson yeah. brie larson or or was it Jennifer Lawrence? It was, I think it was Jennifer Lawrence. It doesn't matter. There was a, an actress that took money up front, but it was a lower amount because she didn't want to take a risk of perhaps making more. And there was a male actor that was in the same movie. It was Michelle Williams. It was a Michelle Williams. Okay. They're all yes. the same to me. I know. Um, they all banged Harvey Weinstein. It doesn't matter. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yes, you get it. And so, and and like the male actor made a lot more, but the 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 reason was because he said, "Well, I'll take less up front, but if the movie makes money, I'll take a cut of the profits." And yeah. so it did, and he got a lot more money. And so it turned into a conversation about the wage gap. And of course, my friends who I've spoken to would come up to me and they'd say, "Oh, well, I mean, that's kind of unfair, don't you think?" And I'm like, "No, she's stupid. She didn't take the yeah. risk." You, she didn't you know. take the risk, and women are, are notoriously bad at negotiating because we're risk averse from a yeah. biological perspective. There are biological reasons that we're risk averse. You know, if a tribe comes in and takes over your tribe, you got a new husband so that you don't get murdered. So mm -hmm. you just kind of you just kind of adapt. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. How we are, you know, so we don't want to take huge financial risks. Women are just more risk averse. I, what I don't understand about this is. Isn't it easier to admit that there are inherent differences between the genders than to think that the entire world is oppressing you and there's nothing you can do about it? It it would be a lot easier, but I think, uh, and I don't want to like try to crawl into the headspace of the average woman, but maybe <laughs> they believe that there is that that the sympathy that you could garner from um, spreading the narrative that you're a victim of all of this yeah. is easier than taking personal responsibility. And the thing is, is that most other people, men and women, will bend over backwards to accommodate that notion. So yeah. why it's like it encourages women to be, to behave badly and to behave like children, you know? Yeah, to behave like children. That's the thing. If women actually wanted to incur the risk that men take on a daily basis or that they take in the in the broader sense, like going to war and doing backbreaking labor, like one job, one day on a construction site would make every woman be like, I'm out housewife time. Like I'm done with this, but everybody's just coddling us constantly acting like it's so easy to be a man being a man. It seems like it would suck so much. You guys have to do so much more work. Everything is harder, so much more manual labor. Like I'm out. No, I, I want to be barefoot and pregnant and mm -hmm. I am. 100% fine with living that life. I'm totally fine with it. I, I, I'm not jealous of, of any man. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just don't, I can't get behind the mentality that it's, that it's just easier to act like 
everybody hates you. Everyone's trying to oppress you rather than just be like, I'm different than a man. I can do things that a man can't do. They can do stuff that I can't do. And then just accept it. Just accept it. Like you have to accept a million different things on a daily basis that you're not super happy about. Just accept it. I don't understand. It's preposterous. I can't believe we're still talking about this, but I mean, I, I, but yeah, the purpose again, it's, it's all a grift. Like (laughs) the, no, I'm serious. Like leftism is a gigantic grift and all it is, is just like, them trying to use different sets of immutable characteristics to form their case so they can get money and power. That's all it is. And, I, and I'm, I'm done sympathizing with that pers- with any perspective that is that is trying to, like, give the benefit of the doubt, because I've seen repeatedly yes. uh, endlessly that it just keeps going back to this this grift. And, and you either know that there's a grift and you're in on it or you're ignorant and and the people who are ignorant are the ones that I try to like direct my energy to because maybe I can like reel them in and say, guys, you know, um, let let's uh, like think clearly and stop, you know, um, giving in to these narratives. But imagine what you would have to ignore to still live in that state of ignorance in 2021. Like if the Kavanaugh thing was was the real was the the end of all of this. After that, I was like, if anybody is still buying this gender horseshit. After the Kavanaugh thing, like, I can't help you. I can't help you. I can't explain this to you. It was just like the last thing. I, I couldn't believe what was happening. And that people were like, well, uh, he handed her the red solo cup. I was like, are you people fucking serious? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I was right. even hearing people on the right, um, you know, like sympathetic to this to this woman. And I, I could not oh, believe I know. it. So in 2021, if if you still are holding on to this leftist narrative, like, I am done trying to wake you up. You are my enemy. And I mm-hmm. am done. And uh, back to what we were talking about earlier, I one of my biggest mistakes in this whole process was attributing stupidity or ignorance when I should have attributed malice to the left. And I used to think they're so stupid, they're so incompetent, and this, this coronavirus should happen. And I was like, wow, that was elegant. That was an elegant plan, and they are much more competent and persuasive than I previously anticipated. I underestimated. Mm-hmm what they will do to gain control and that was my failing but now that i know um i mean i think that we can probably uh switch you know flip the narrative a little bit yeah yeah so uh i want to ask you this this is a a recent allison who runs honey badge radio she made a post on twitter that got into a lot of trouble (laughs) and um i want to ask you what your thoughts are on it and then I want to talk a little bit about feminism because I believe that in most most of what we're dealing with is an outcome of feminism. Yeah. Um. Uh, yes, that includes all the race stuff, all the immigrant stuff, all of that. It's all just a product of it, you know. But she made a post, and I I don't know if I'll be able to quote it exactly, but um, she basically said something to the effect of, um. Men did not stop caring, or I'm sorry, did not start caring about women when feminism was conceived of, right? So feminism did not invent men caring about women, all right? So in trouble for that? Yes, yes. Um, Because, I mean, well, first of all, I think that mostly she got in trouble because um, people who are feminists right male feminists especially they they despise the idea that this ideology did not create 
you know, caring about women because it would mean that it was never necessary, right? It would mean that men cared about women before feminism, which they did. And so that what I'm wondering about is um, how feminist are you? And do you believe <laughs> and do you believe that 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 feminism has done anything good? Uh, do I believe it's done anything anything good? No. I mean, I, I believe it's done the exact opposite of what it purports to do. Um, back in the day, we saw men try to uphold it's it's a preposterous claim to say that men never cared about women. Men have always had wives, they've always had daughters, they've always had sisters and mothers. There is something inherent to the male mind that that makes them want to protect. And mm -hmm. we used to see in in all societies um, this concept of men protecting a woman's virtue. So feminism has has totally unraveled this concept and done exactly the opposite of of what it intended, which I don't think that it ever actually intended to get men to care about women. Um, the worst outcome I think right now is that uh, they they doubled the workforce and everybody's wages were driven down and now. Uh, two parents basically have to work in most households and you have to outsource the parenting to a disinterested third party or an, un an uninterested third party. So that's caused uh, major, major issues. And I think that it's done a lot to the divorce rate because women are competing financially with their husbands, which is an unnatural state of being. It's fucking mm -hmm. weird. Nobody wants to have that dynamic in their relationship, yet it's a dynamic of all of our relationships. So I can thank feminism for basically nothing. I squandered my 20s because of this horseshit theory. And now I'm probably only, if I'm lucky, I'll be able to have three kids. Like if I'm lucky, I'm 33. I had my first kid last year. Like I was really down to the wire on this one. And I blame, I blame myself because I bought into this and I, I pursued sure. a career and everything like that. Um, but also I, I blame society because I think to some degree I lack agency i think mm -hmm, that women to some mm -hmm. degree lack agency um you mean like they naturally lack agency or like something about like the way our society has developed has taken that away from women and they no, bought into no, no, it no. i think we naturally lack agency oh okay okay um i don't want to project, <laughs> project no i i that's an interesting line of reasoning i want to go down but you go ahead and finish your your thing well, I think that I, I don't want to project my own neuroses on other women, but mm -hmm. um, I think I'm, I'm somewhat logical and I think I'm able to noodle through a, a litany of problems and, and think about the different aspects. But trying to overcome my emotional reasoning is a Herculean task. And I just don't believe that your average woman is able to do that. Not every woman thinks like Ann Coulter and can just turn the maternal thing off. And I, I just don't believe, I think that most women are probably like me and they are emotional <laughs> and they need um, a, a stabilized support system. And that doesn't lend to being a good voter or to being a good citizen unless you're married to a strong man that you can follow. So I do think that to some degree, uh, we lack agency. I mean, look at us just have, having run rampant in the political system. This is a disaster. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that, that, no, that's great. Okay, so I'm gonna throw a couple of typical Kind of counter arguments because the fact that you say you know feminism was never good and this is something that we say all the time and it's 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 frustrating because we don't just get pushback from feminists obviously you're going to get pushback from feminists right. you you get pushback from moderate centrist and right wingers that they all make this 
argument that I'm so sick of where they'll say, well, you know, the vote is good or the 1960s, the, the you know, we needed it in the 1960s, you know, and it's like, no, you're give. I don't know if you believe this or if you're just giving these people lip service so that you can then say, oh, but it's just gone off the rails recently, right? No, it was never good. And I think that we can challenge the vote even. So first I wanna ask you before I go to the vote, cause I would like to get your thoughts on that. Um, what, okay, so let's say I'm a feminist and I say, well, I, I think that uh, second wave feminism was good. I don't even have to be a feminist. I'd just be like a moderate, like a like a Ben Shapiro type. And I'll say, well, actually, you know, second wave feminism was good because I don't, whatever. My reasons are uh, the birth control pill, uh, the, the, the sexual revolution, women enter, entering the workforce is good, yada, yada. What would you say to that? I mean, I... I can't in good faith even argue with somebody that thinks the sexual revolution was a good <laughs> thing for society. It was a good thing for men at the time, but it has clearly damaged all of us, maybe beyond repair. People mm -hmm. were meant to pair bond with a single sexual partner at a young age. Um, and we are just looking around at totally damaged people. And it's because of the sexual revolution. Pornography is a manifestation of the sexual revolution. This never would have happened if, if the 60s didn't happen. And I would argue that that the sexual revolution was just a way for the government and the powers that be to um, further control society through our vices. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know how anybody could possibly think it was a good thing. And birth control, I mean, the estrogenic effects of birth control, we, we are still finding out today. It's getting in the water. Men have lower testosterone than uh, we've ever seen. Um, and I taught, I did a video about this actually. And women, because like, yeah. women need testosterone too. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, women that are on birth control for a long time and they have a mate that they married while on birth control will often go off birth control when they're trying to have a baby. And there's this phenomenon where uh, you go off birth control and you are just physically repulsed by your husband that you've been with for many years and you hate his smell, you're not sexually attracted to him because birth control has turned your hormones upside down and it's um, kind of allowed you to, to pair bond with somebody that uh, you know doesn't get your engines revving, which is a disastrous consequence. So then what do you do? Like. You're, you're 30 and you've been with this person for 10 years. You're trying to have a baby. It's like, you just have to accept that you're never going to have good sex for the rest of your life, that you're not attracted to your husband. And that is a recipe for divorce. Mm -hmm. um, so, so what has birth control really done for us? It's made it possible for everybody to bang each other without the consequence of pregnancy, although there are still emotional and other physical consequences. So fucking what? Like everybody needs to get it together. Get, stop being a slave to your vices. Stop masturbating to porn stop having promiscuous sex with people it's like this cannot be good for anybody the only people that i've ever talked to that think this is a good thing for society is a man a good-looking man in his 20s or 30s that's it yeah um and you you've seen what happens well even then it's yeah i was gonna say yeah he's yeah. gone well i i kind of saw it coming but uh yeah i didn't i was so shocked and he's he's become a good friend of mine now and it's just mm -hmm. like I can see how this has damaged his soul. And everybody mm -hmm. always thought, even on the right, like promiscuity, it, it only damages women. It, it only hurts women because men are able to tolerate a higher body count than, than women are. But like when you're at that level where you've had sex with so many people, it clearly is, is damaging to the man too. It's anti-logos. 
Um, it takes you away from God. It, it, it doesn't allow you to see a woman as a potential life mate. Um, I just can't even, I just can't even imagine why anybody would think this is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, and I, I think that again, this is, you know, maybe this comes from people's natural, um, disdain or, or like lack of compassion for men in general. But I think the average man honestly, isn't trying to get a high body count. I think the average man is looking to find a good woman and, and he wants to settle down. He has a sex drive, so he's interested, but I ultimately just in my experience. So this is anecdotal, whatever, just guys I've known and myself, um, you know, from the beginning, I think that the average man is like looking to pair bond and start a family he just wants that, you know, normal, simple thing. And sure, when he's in his teens or whatever, he he might have a bad case of the horny. But when he gets past that, you know, I th- and the problem is, is that we've created in terms of the, the sexual and the dating sphere. Um, and I'm, I'm just going to say feminism has created this idea that women should be as you know sort of sexually promiscuous and aggressive as men and compete with them in that way but the thing is is that i think the average man isn't even trying to do that so that 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 i think creates um especially if their testosterone is going down on top of that and they and you know we have like uh um a lot of men that are dealing with like childhood trauma because you know this is another product of the 60s that I think is the most important is the expansion of the welfare state and the single motherhood, uh, which is a bigger problem than any other epidemic you could think of, especially in minority communities. And that results in, you know, um, kids getting abused. They're joining gangs. Girls are getting pregnant as teenagers because they're hitting puberty earlier because there is no fathers around. So their body's saying you need a man in your life. And so they become sexually active sooner, like nine years old. Oh, and, my you know, God. yeah. And I've seen it like I, I grew up in the hood in Chicago and I've seen every time I see a young girl growing up, she's like, you know, just like any other child and they're having fun and playing and then they hit puberty and they're like 10, 11. And shortly after that, they're pregnant. And it's because they're hooking up with, you know, basically it's people that it's babies raising babies. Yeah. And and that's and it creates this pattern of that. And that's where, you know, it's like, how did we get George Floyd? That's how we got him. Yeah. That's how like he didn't know his father. So like this is how this is where the this is why I say, you know, all of the other issues that we talk about, whether they're about. Uh, race or uh, LGBTQ or, um, you know, whatever, all these other issues, even disability. Those are all products of the kinds of culture and policies and administrative changes that feminism created. Because um, to your thing about birth control, you know, uh, I've talked about this with Karen, the exact same stuff that you said, how birth control affects a woman's hormones. But in addition to that, uh, Aiden Paladin, I don't know if you know who Aiden yeah, Paladin yeah. is. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she's been on, on the show a few times and we had her speak at our last international conference on men's issues in 2019. So it was like the year before last. And she did a whole presentation on the, on the birth control pill. So like all the info and one of the other effects of this is actually things like, you know, increased, um, uh, autism diagnoses like in children, you know, because, because the pill tells a woman that she is it makes her attracted to a man that she normally wouldn't be 
one of the reasons why she's not supposed to be attracted to that man is because they might be too close genetically. So, like, it be, they might be too familiar, right? Because yeah. when you're on the birth control pill, it tells your body that you're pregnant and it makes you want to be around familiar people, like cousins, brothers, aunts, uncles. And so the man they end up close to, even if they're, you know, not like they're not it's not incest, but like they might be too close genetically if you were to trace it back enough. And it it, yeah. it kind of has a slight increased chance of, you know, things like autism and minor, you know, disabilities, learning disabilities, deformities, etc. So it contributes in a lot of ways. And I don't even want to get started on how that affects the black community, by the way. It's terrible. It oh, is. Yeah. It's terrible. There is a big problem with accidental incest in the black community. There's a there's a big problem with um, and then and, and other communities like that. You can take any place where, you know, uh, there's a lot of sexual promiscuity going on and a lot of women that are hooking up with the top men in that community. And those usually are like the men that are most capable of uh, doling out violence. Yeah. You know, because if you're in the hood, you're not trying to hook up with the guy that has the most promising like investments. Right. You're like trying to find the guy that's going to protect you and your children. So you're going to go after the thuggish guy. And then he and has the most children in the community. Yes, because protection. he's he's having sex with all these other women. Right. And then those kids, they may not know who their father is and they might meet each other when they hit puberty. Yeah. And then they have sex with each other. And that's how you get. These crazy, like you get this crazy accidental incest. So it's all a product of feminism. That's that's what I'm saying. It's all a product of that. So yeah. like, um, because we're not allowed to judge these women at all. Like that's one of our our you know one of the biggest problems is we have a, a situation where uh, what feminism fights for now, at least at the bottom level, you know, like on a TikTok level or just like random uh, humanity students is that they're basically fighting against judgment. Yeah. That's their whole thing, right? Body positivity. I want to get all the tattoos. I'll grow hair everywhere, you know, and and what their what their goal is is just don't judge me. Don't yeah. don't stare at me, you know. Yeah. Sleep I've with as many men as I want. Um, TikTok videos where chicks are talking about having abortions and stuff or they're like oh, going yeah. to the abortion clinic and it's just it's shameless. Yeah, but that's what but that, that's what they want. They don't want people to judge them and they fear it. And that's why it makes them so angry if you do. And uh, this is the thing that I, I think that um, especially our young people today, they they're terrified of judgment. And so it might have something to do with them being so sort of feminine these days, you know, in general, like maybe that's a feminine thing. I don't know. Uh, OK, so what about the vote? What are your thoughts on that? Um, I mean, if you look at the suffragettes at the time, they were all childless hags, you know, mm -hmm. they were all the people that would just be like the fat blue haired feminist. Now, the women that um, that were anti suffragette and some of those posters of the era are so funny. And spot oh, yeah, on. I, there's one where like the guy is um, bathing the baby or feeding the baby or something. And the woman's on the way out the door. And it's like dad has to do all of the women's work now because mom wants to go and vote. And I, I think that's <laughs> it was prophetic. I mean, I, I think that they were really on to something about how gender roles were going to be transformed. Um, but I think that uh, strictly just using the evidence of our voting patterns, um, we are not responsible enough as a voting block because of our innate need for financial dependence. 
to to be able to vote. I mean, we can't we can't vote. It's 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 a real problem. We will always vote for state sponsored stability. We'll always vote for the welfare state. It's going to happen again and again and again, especially um, within the realm of single motherhood, which is being re- reinforced from from all angles. So you, mm-hmm. so it's a disastrous combination. And I don't think this is accidental. Obviously, this is a it was made to be this way, but you you have single moms that need to feel that that daddy stability and they they need the money and so they're just going to to vote in line with whatever's going to be financially beneficial to them obviously because that's rational behavior uh, for them um but i think just based on our voting patterns we, we clearly have lost the ability to make good decisions in the voting booth sure uh so you- suffrage was obviously a mistake yeah so do you think that because you, you're, you're making an argument from outcome, which is, uh, you know, the voting was a bad idea because we're looking at the outcomes. Um, do you believe that voting, because this is how it's framed, and I think this, the, the framing is, is important to, to look at. Uh, do you believe that voting is a right? No, of course not. It's why you can strip a felon of, of his or her vote because they've lost, they, I almost said they've lost the right to vote. But um, I don't think it's an inherent right why it's it's a privilege to be able to vote you have to have a vested entry in the country not in yourself uh and so you know if if i could choose i would give one vote to every fam land owning family mm-hmm. that's how it was i think that's how it was, how it was. Yeah. yeah so then okay so if if you believe that voting is not a right which it's not um because i don't believe in positive rights at all yeah. so like voting is just it's a privilege yeah. Um, and but it's but more than that. It's actually a responsibility. It's a it's a it should be a burden, like a huge deal. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's obviously not treated that way. I mean, they're talking about lowering the voting age to 16. They're talking oh. about all this crazy stuff. Right. Um, because ultimately that serves who it is. Now, if that's true, then basically we screwed ourselves when we gave women the vote back in the turn of the century, right? Um, it was it was eventually going to slide in this direction. It's, I'm, I'm actually shocked that it took so long. Maybe those world wars slowed things down. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> so if you but if you believe that, then what about let's go to the other side of the of the gender spectrum for men. Um, men today, they get the vote, but they must register for selective service. So the vote doesn't come for nothing. Uh, do you would you also remove that? Like, let's say that you I have crowned you Queen of America and this is what you can do. What would you do about the men's vote? Would it be the same like outcome wise? Uh, but you could opt out of voting and selective service. Uh, yeah, I, I think that that adds a weight to the to the intellectual burden and the moral mm-hmm. burden of voting. I'm I'm fine with that. And then we do we do have to have voluntary service members. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah. Uh, Or, you know, because we've talked about this a bit, because I know that, like, first of all, uh, we'll never be able to take women's vote away from them. So that's not even in the cards. Right. It'll never happen. The only way it will happen is if women vote to have their vote taken away, (laughs) (laughs) which they'll never do. Yeah. Or if it collapses, if things get desperate and then women all of a sudden, like, say, oh, we need men to help run things and rebuild everything. And then. We'll start calling them garbage after they're done Um, because that's what we're doing right now. Right. I mean, like literally everything we have is a product of what men did 
right. in order to make life comfortable for women and families. So like, yeah. this is how we got here. And I'm not saying that to take some kind of collective credit for that. I, I just know that that's the reality, right? Men built Western civilization so that it was comfortable for women. And they and they organized it in the hopes of of essentially keeping them safe. But what we have with feminism is the outcome of an over indulgence in women's safety and security, because only in that level of decadence could you even have a feminist movement. And nobody even recognizes that. Like, right. Like like when feminists say we're constantly fighting for women's rights and all this other stuff. And it's like and they talk about this patriarchy we live under. And uh, and and we're like, but if you actually lived under the patriarchy that you claim, you, you wouldn't, wouldn't be allowed be to be able to say that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you wouldn't be allowed to exist. Like, it's only because men put up with you that we that, you know, you're even allowed to do this. Um, but anyway, so one thing we've talked about is maybe there if, if it's not going to be one per household, which I think is a pretty good way to do it. It could be say something like uh, men and women both have to serve like a starship troopers type of thing. So, and it doesn't have to be necessarily in the military, but in some capacity where they're basically like civil servants for a while, because yeah. it could be like, say you have like a national identity, you know, like in America too, or whatever we decide to call it. Um, and and the, in order for you to be like in touch with that national identity, you would have to serve it. So then, you know, like, oh, well, if I vote the wrong way, I'm going to throw all this, you know, away. Yeah. So I'm totally fine with that. And Starship Troopers is a fantastic and underrated film that, <laughs> that everybody should watch. It's the truth yeah. of egalitarianism that and fascistic. Uh, More than that, uh, merit, meritocracy. Yeah. 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 So it's yeah. a really it's a really good movie. It's really campy, but um, but but it's fantastic. Yes, I think that that's totally true. And that way you could just skirt the gender issue. And that's why. I, why don't they do that in the military? They used to have these uniform PTs where uh, women just couldn't possibly do them. And then the army revamped them so that it was some fucking point system and blah, blah. And women only have to do a hanging arm thing rather than the pull ups or whatever. It's like just keep it the way it is so that no woman but the buffest lesbian could ever succeed in this. Um, it's like yeah. 1% women, women succeed. Uh, so why they, they didn't even have to talk about the gender thing. No, they just uphold the PT. No, but I think that, uh, all of our institutions have become like, they, they basically all have cancer now. Yeah. All of them. Like they're all, they all have feminist cancer because even if they disagree, first of all, they're too cowardly to say something. In most cases, if they disagree, yeah. they're too cowardly to say something because they're afraid for their job or or maybe the worst thing is that they're afraid that they'll be seen as as misogynist, Who which cares? I think. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. But there is a tremendous fear of being seen as a bigot. And, and I think that a lot of conservative and right wing commentators contribute to that problem by giving lip service to the to anything to do with identity politics anything i don't you know like i think that all of it should be thrown out we should not be giving them lip service for any of that and i say that as someone who could probably benefit from it to some degree um but i hate it i've always hated it and uh i think that for example like before anyone criticizes um a woman not even feminism okay a woman 
The, if, if someone starts off by saying, look, guys, I don't hate women, okay? I just want to criticize this one woman. Stop doing that. Stop like, apologizing. Treat them like you would a man. If a man says something stupid and you think he's a retard, then call the woman a retard if she says something stupid. That's I like, totally agree, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of identity politics, I do disagree with you a little bit, though. Because okay. this philosophy that we can just shed our identity in favor of an ideology, that is a high IQ attribute. Like dumb people cannot do it. They are innately tribalistic. And we have to accept that like a lot of people in our society, fucking dumb, too mm -hmm. dumb to do that. They can't just be like, oh, I'm American. It doesn't matter that I'm black or that I'm Mexican or whatever. People care about these things. And I think to some degree it's innate. I like, I, I don't think we yeah. able to avoid that. No, um, no, I agree. I just, I, I, I can, I can, I guess there's a way to accommodate that without submitting yeah. to that is what I'm, I'm yeah, trying to get yeah, at. Yeah, definitely. I mean, how do, how do we do that? That is the million dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> well, I think that there can be ways to because this is the thing that I'm, I'm actually struggling with now is like, OK, I can and I will continue to criticize what needs to be criticizing until the cows come home. But I think that it's important to offer an alternative to offer some yeah. other way to see things so that people who, you know, um, are on the fence or, you know, maybe they agree, but they're having a hard time shedding some of this stuff Like they have some way to transition over. Can and I, I think, ask you a series yeah. of qu personal questions about your racial makeup do it. <laughs> and, 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 your, and yeah. your childhood. So do you so you grew up in Chicago yeah. in a low income community? Very. And what's your ethnic background? Um, my family's from Puerto Rico. Okay, so you're Puerto Rican, you're second generation Puerto Rican? I'm the first generation born in America. Okay. My parents came here from PR, yeah. So you probably grew up in like a Puerto Rican part of like a black neighborhood? In it was, yeah, basically like a mostly black and Hispanic neighborhood. And yeah. when did you come around to this way of thinking? Oh, uh, yeah, so it took a little while. But you know what, though? I was always because maybe I was I was weird because there was a poor white kid that lived in my building when I was five years old and I used to make mud pies with him. And, um, you know, when you're a little kid and you didn't have video games and porn and all these other distractions, you would just go dig up worms yeah. and bugs and make mud pies. And so I would hang out with and we were poor, so I didn't have a bicycle. What do you think? So, um, yeah, and he was a little white boy and. But I think that when my perspective changed, it uh, I didn't think about race at all. And then I turned 11 and uh, I, w I was discovered that I was uh, smart, I guess, for a Latino. And I got put into a <laughs> well, no, I was I was one of those kids that was bored in class because I got everything. Yeah. And my teacher, yeah. she thought I was gifted and I took some tests and I got into a special program. And and uh, there was a school bus that would pick me up and take me to this school that was kind of out of my neighborhood. And there I had shared class, uh, a shared classroom with Asians, an Indian kid, um, you know, uh, some black kids, some white kids. And I, I remember, you know, Koreans like I was seeing people I had never seen in real life ever in my life. You know, Asians and Indians. It was insane. And um, <laughs> but like we didn't. I don't know. We didn't talk about race. I, I never really had like a bug up my ass about racial right. identity politics. Um, maybe it's because I was fortunate enough to, yeah, yeah. you know, like basically be around uh, different kids. And I acknowledged our difference, but I never thought 
you know, oh, I'm struggling because of the white man. And right. uh, yeah, maybe and you know, because you were given those opportunities. Maybe, but you know, there was something else though. In our media, um, when I was a little older, like in the 90s, in our media, there was a lot of critique in like Hollywood even against a kind of like racism of the gaps. Yeah. For example, so there was a movie, I remember making fun of it, and it stood out for me. I still think about this movie. It's called Boomerang, and it starred Char uh, Eddie Murphy. It was one of Eddie Murphy's movies. And in this movie, there was a character played by Martin Lawrence. And Martin Lawrence was a friend of Eddie Murphy's in the film, and he was this black guy that saw racism and everything. And it was a running gag. Like he, like he would, like they'd be playing pool and he would say, this is racial because you're the white ball and you got to knock all the colored balls into the pocket. And you know which one you say for last? The black eight ball is last. That's racial, you know? And it was, it was a joke and we all laughed at it. We thought it was so preposterous to find racism and everything. So I, I wonder if culturally we weren't doing the same things. I don't, I don't yeah. think we were, you know? That's probably so. true. Yeah. Did you find yourself alienated after you became a uh, public uh, figure absolutely <laughs> From even family? before before that well no i mean my family um they generally accept me i don't talk about the stuff that i do with my mother i don't think she would get it um but like the like i have cousins and stuff and and they they're cool with what i do and i think that they they agree Although they yeah. are afraid to speak up themselves. This is um, very interesting because I found uh, my experience with Puerto Ricans specifically has mm -hmm. been much aligned with this. Like I have these Puerto Rican friends and they love white people and America because they're like, listen, if you're in Puerto Rico, it, Puerto Rico, it's just people drinking and smoking weed and doing whatever they want because they're on island time constantly and they love yep. the work ethic here and they just talk about it all the time they're like puerto rico sucks uh why do you think we came here yeah nobody uh, lives in puerto rico <laughs> 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 no i mean like i have family there but it's it most puerto ricans are in yeah they're, they're actually in the u.s there's way more of them yeah here. that's an yeah. it's a really interesting phenomenon because i feel like i don't get the same thing from Mexicans or Guatemalans. I, I don't I don't hear this in the same way that I hear it from from Puerto I think it depends on what they're fleeing. Because yeah. like Cubans are probably some of the most Cubans patriotic. patriotic. Yeah, absolutely. They're absolutely. Yeah. Um I, I've actually been meaning to get Enrique Tario on because mm -hmm. uh, I'd love to talk to him. But um yeah, I, I think it comes from where you're leaving. And I also think that there there might be an evolutionary element to it too, because when people live in the Caribbean or like you're close to the equator, right? Um, the lifestyle is completely different. Like right. I think that because, you know, like NPR, everyone, it's like it's like Louisiana, like everything moves slow. You know, yeah. the food grows on the trees yeah. like you. You have like all the time in the world. Like it, it's just it's a different environment. But when you're like, you know, in the city or in in like the further north, like where it's cold, it's like it's you got to hustle. You know, that's I think true. the environment yeah. has an effect on it. I think that's one of the reasons why Europeans, uh, like Northern Europeans in particular, built uh, so much of what we call Western civilization. A lot of it had to do with their environment. It was like, well, winter's coming. You know, I don't want to die. So we're going to basically die, right? put in some work. Right. Meanwhile, in like in Puerto Rico, it's just like uh, it doesn't matter what time of the year it is. There's bananas. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. So. But still, I think it's somewhat anomalous, like when you see what the average 
Haitian is like mm-hmm. also, and they're so close geographically. It's like, well, yeah, what that's there? true. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I, be- I certainly believe there's cultural uh, factors as well. Yeah. One of the things too, you know, is um, uh, Hispanics or Latinos, they're a very matriarchal uh, organism. Right. Like the like there there is this thing about machismo that like guys try to but ultimately like the mothers they run the roost you know <laughs> um and and uh it makes it that's one of the reasons why um I actually do have some conflict with my mother because you know she still thinks of me as her child and she's very possessive and I'll, uh it's it's not really good for for you when you want to like go out on your own yeah. right so um, just don't be too overprotective of your kids is what I'm saying, because you can stunt them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can yeah. see how it could happen, though. Yeah. I can't even imagine my daughter growing up right now. I'm like, Oh, my God. She's nine months old, and I'm like, it's going to be like this forever, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, you know, so like what are you what kind of things are you doing to sort of like maximize your um, output for your children? I know that you talked to Owen Benjamin about homesteading and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you had him on the show. Yeah. Um, I am preparing to homestead. Uh, I live in North Idaho right now, um, and I'm planning to stay. I, I'm trying to circle the wagons with my family. Like, I'd like to get everybody out here uh, because I truly believe in the depths of my soul that we are going to witness a post-apocalyptic societal collapse. And I don't, I thought it, we were like 20 years out until this coronavirus shenanigan. And now I'm like, I think this is going to happen a lot faster. So I do live in a town right now, but I don't foresee this being a sustainable situation. And I kind of have a five to 10 year plan. So like, as far as my homesteading right now, it's very basic. Like I've got like a few plants and I'm, I, I have some books on canning and I have like a year of freeze dried food and a bunch of guns, but that's basically it um owen's owen's operation is really good he's got like a whole thing going on i know he's got he's goats in my neck of the woods and... though so is he okay yeah. yeah uh yeah i want to talk to him again i had him on a couple of years ago and he was still on youtube way before any of this stuff happened yeah. um not so crazy now is he folks yeah no i i mean i didn't think he was you know i think he's a really smart guy and uh, i think he was way ahead of the curve but i do think it was easy for us to dismiss that so i got a couple super chats i'm going to read them really quick uh egregious charles gives us five bucks and says the only guys who want a large number of partners rather than a really good partner are guys who think it's a laudable accomplishment Mm -hmm. yeah and i think a lot of that comes from because the thing is uh, I, I still see that if you're an adult guy and you're still talking about how much ass you crush, I, I just don't have a lot of respect for that. And it's not, you know, do you, it's your business, but I'm not going to see that as an achievement because you have to know. And this is something that I, I think that it puts me at odds with red pillars, PUAs and MGTOW in a way too, is that if you, if you really don't care about the future of our civilization, then I can't make you care, right? That's fine if you don't care. But if you do, and you're doing this stuff, I hope you realize you're actually not making things better, you're making things worse. Because if you, if you like take, 
if you take random chicks home and bang them and then send them on their way and don't call them back and don't want to, you know, form any relationship, you're basically contributing to that pattern. Now, I'm not saying that she wasn't, you know, being a slut beforehand or whatever, but I think that um, working towards something sustainable that's going to build something is some actions that you would be taking if you want to make things better. You're actually not, and it, by the way, it's not rebellious or you're not fighting feminism. You're actually contributing to it because feminism wants to create antagonism, competition, and you know, general mistrust, fear between men and women. That's what it wants to do. So when exactly, men say, yeah. yeah. So when when it's in the same way that women will say, well, you know, I was out uh, at night and, and I'm afraid of men. And so, you know, um, I, I'm going to basically view them all with suspicion. The It kind of contributes in the same way when men say, well, you know, that they have uh, fear or distrust of women. Now, I'm not saying that none of it is warranted. I think that there yeah, are totally. people who are dangerous, you're but walking around at night, like you should definitely be afraid. Yeah, um, yeah, or at least should also be, be aware. Really afraid of of what women can do in divorce situations. And yes, like that. yes, yeah. or you know, with with false rape accusations, like these things all really happen. And like the Me Too movement has destroyed people, and it never hold, held anyone accountable that should be. Mm-hmm. But you you made a comment about all the chicks that banged Harvey Weinstein. And uh, I was saying that from the very beginning. And uh, look, I don't like Harvey Weinstein, but I don't think that he is what the Me Too movement made him out to be. I think that most of those transactions, because I haven't seen any evidence to the contrary, were consensual. It was women who wanted to be famous. Yeah, it was women who wanted to be famous. And this guy was offering them fame. And that's literally what he did. Like, no one in Hollywood is particularly talented. They're just connected. It's yeah. true. Like, I mean, exactly. you know, it, it, I've met actors that work on like small stage plays and they're better than these people and more yeah. talented. They're like, yeah. they know how to play instruments. They know how to dance. They know how to sing. You know, it's they're, they're not like in these small stage plays because they suck. They yeah. just haven't sucked Harvey Weinstein's dick. That's the only, <laughs> that's the only thing. So like, yeah. but but the the narrative is not that. The narrative never says, well, ladies, what did, you know if you if you signed a contract, what did you do to sign the contract? No, no, yeah. because you're not allowed to say that. Why is that? Because feminism says you right. can't do and that. As a society, we had an opportunity to have a discussion about the nature of transactional sex. And, you know, uh, transactional sex happens consensually in marital relationships all the time. Um, Even when there was a a virgin with a dowry, in many ways, isn't that transactional sex? Like, I'm not even making a value judgment about transactional sex. I guess I am to these people because you're literally sucking an old man's balls so that you can pretend to be somebody else on someone's TV well, screen. Yeah, how are you going to get into the next X-Men movie? Well, I got I got to do this, you know. I know. Like, like <laughs> I, I I don't really understand it, but like um acting like sex isn't often even the majority of time transactional. It's just dishonest. We're just being dishonest with ourselves. Like let's yeah. be real here. Uh, this is all low-level prostitution, all of it. Um yeah. we could have discussed this as a society, but instead we're like this dude is a rapist. And you know, I read all the claims and of all of them, there was only one person even making the accusation of forcible rape. Uh, most of the women were like, uh, he coerced me by mm-hmm. saying that he's going to withhold the blah, blah, blah. You know, Mina, Su- or not Mina Suvari, Mira Sorvino. Mira, Mira Sorvino. Sorvino. She was the daughter yes. of uh, 
the other Sorvino who yes, was in Goodfellas. And she is a fantastic actress. But she when is. you look at her history, she did like Romeo and Michelle and one other movie and then fell off the map. And it's because Harvey Weinstein tried to bang her and she was like, No, I uh, absolutely not. Go fuck yourself. And then he blackballed her from Hollywood and then she had kids and she's living a fine life and, and her integrity is intact. I was like, going to no say, it sounds like a woman with integrity. Yeah. yeah. And uh, everybody's acting like Jennifer Lawrence couldn't have just been like, uh, no, I'm not going to fuck you. Like, of course, that's an option. She could have just said no. And she was already pretty famous when when this stuff happened. I love that she's the only one that comes out this like white, super Gentile girl who's like, Hardy Weinstein never tried anything with me when we were in London. I'm like, that's because you clearly banged him. Like, what? <laughs> are we all going to act like this didn't happen? It's a fine. All right. All right. Whatever. But what I have no right. tolerance for is these chicks that voluntarily banged Harvey Weinstein to advance their careers. And then when they're all walled out and their careers are over, they're like, he raped me. It's like, you got what you wanted from him. He got what he wanted from you. And you had a consensual transaction, which in many ways is more straightforward than other sexual relationships. Yep. I would argue that's more straightforward than taking some drunk girl home from a bar. Yep. It's more above board. It, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I And I I think that he's probably going to beat all of the cases against him because of it, yeah. you know, and uh, and of course, what is that going to do? And this is like the, the you know, it's just like the they're doing the, the, the Derek Chauvin case started today. Yeah. Right. They put their their opening arguments out. Right. <gasps> and and again, most likely Derek Chauvin's going to beat if they if the jury's not corrupt. And, you know, that we don't know because I, I don't trust the courts either. But assuming that evidence and reason and common sense wins the day, there's a there's a pretty solid chance that Derek Chauvin is going to beat all of these charges. And in both of these cases, just these two random examples I bring up, um, all that does is it ultimately serves the left because they get to say, oh, look, the system doesn't work. Clearly, yeah. he was a serial rapist. Clearly, he was a racist white supremacist cop that wanted to murder a black man that day that's why he got a job and worked there for 20 years and trained other cops and lived in the community and you know married an asian woman because he's racist it's <laughs> so, so preposterous did you hear yeah. this news okay i don't know if this is true but i heard it from one person today and i did not look into it that he was shooting fentanyl up his butt um no i had not heard that i heard that he took is this like he, he also had something else in his system, oxy in his system uh, that he that he took. But uh, no, I did not hear he was shooting fentanyl up his butt. That is uh, news to me. Are we talking about Derek Chauvin? I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I think I know who we're talking about. George Floyd. I mean, uh, if he was like doing drugs in that way, I mean, you're deep down the drug rabbit hole if you're doing fentanyl like yeah. like that. And there's apparently some street name for it. Okay, I'm not seeing anything about this on Google, so maybe what I've been told. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go to Google for facts. That's <laughs> one thing right off the is, bat. Is damning. It is damning. <laughs> the point is that this guy had a uh, a mile long rap sheet. He was a plague to society, the dregs of society, and to his community. Um, the, the world is a better place for him being dead. And I don't at all care that he's dead. And I'm not going to act like this was some racially motivated crime. Now he is probably going to get off and, or get charged with some like third degree manslaughter or whatever the fuck, what do you, what even is that? I've never even heard of that charge before. Um, isn't manslaughter just like maybe a, a yeah, it's like an accident. Uh, maybe a slap on the wrist. Yeah. You know, and like that's Minneapolis going to melt down every American city. It's just going to be like last summer all over again. 
Uh, the alternative is that there there's no justice for him. So there really is no good outcome in this situation. Is there? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. But that's what they want. Like they, that's what I'm saying. All of this contributes to the narrative of tearing everything down because you know I I have you seen um have you seen this 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 clubhouse audio recording that when that was making the rounds for a while a couple of weeks ago is it the 2019 arrest no 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 so clubhouse is like a i'm not really sure i guess i guess it's sort of like a group chat app okay okay where people can all enter a room and you a person can be sort of like an admin and they can put people in the back of the room and those people in the back can't talk but they can raise their hand and other people you can give platforms to some people um it's some new voice chat group voice chat thing and there was a, a a group of people i think it was uh brett weinstein and there was another gentleman, and I apologize, I can't remember his name. And they put together a clubhouse room where they were discussing uh, if wokeness in clubhouse was a problem. Yeah. And what it attracted was a bunch of like radical. Well, I, I didn't want to say radical because they're not. It's not. It's no. It's not fringe. Like they were just leftists. They leftists bombarded the chat. BLM supporters, Antifa yeah. supporters, they yeah. bombarded the chat. They they got in and they took over and they essentially like, you know, took over the entire clubhouse chat room. It's a and they used it to essentially just engage in a giant circle jerk where they just talked about how racist and white supremacist everyone is. And they also put, you know, like Brett Weinstein is a Brett Wein, Brett Weinstein, the guy from Evergreen College on trial and you know they they held his feet to the fire they they made him you know confess his white supremacy and all this other crap but like what i took from it though a, a lot a lot was taken from it like brett weinstein is a moral coward but i knew that already um but like one of the things i took from it was that ultimately these people did not want anything they just wanted to burn everything down yeah so like they're they're the ultimate nihilists. Like yes. they, they just don't yeah. believe that any of any change is good unless it's complete leveling of the playing field, like yeah. the leveling of everything. And I, I don't remember why I brought that up. It was mainly to point out that they they just want to smash everything down. So like, oh, yeah, right. Well, what we're what we're experiencing with like what the potential outcomes of the Derek Chauvin case is, is essentially it's lending towards that desire because yeah. if, if, if Chauvin doesn't get convicted of anything, or if he gets a conviction that they just don't find satisfactory, which could be anything, um, they're just going to, you know, go crazy. And the only thing that will stop them are going to be citizens that have had enough. And I, I don't know what the, you know what that's going to look like but i also live in a small town so i probably won't have to deal with it <laughs> yeah me neither for sure but but still you know i don't want to see american cities ruined i still have a soft place mm-hmm. i've lived in new york i've lived in la i've lived in seattle i still have a soft place in my heart for american cities and i don't i don't want to see these places destroyed it's probably how you feel about chicago but you know at the same time um there is something satisfying about being vindicated <laughs> yeah i mean like i i i'm with you on that i i don't think it it's 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 inevitable i i think that it's good we're 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 gonna be experiencing a lot more pain uh really soon and um well it, it all comes down to because this is the thing like i always wonder um how how big is the silent majority and what do they feel and the thing I've noticed is living here, if I talk to someone, anyone about what's going on, 
they side with me. Yeah. Right off the bat. Yeah. But um, and I mean, I don't know if they're vocal in their personal life, but I have noticed that they're that the sentiment is growing. Sometimes I think it, that people need to take a break from social media because oh, it's yeah. extremely it extremely distorts reality. Yeah. I, I, I actually think that um, most of what we see on social media is coming from a minority of people. Not so. just the political stuff, too. The, the way people mm-hmm. um, painstakingly misrepresent their lives is is somewhat shocking. You're, you're not probably not involved in these Instagram mom communities, but I just like mm, walk, look at these no, but I, I want to hear about that. <laughs> I'm like, there's <laughs> no way you're waking up at six in your perfect clean kitchen and like making all the meals of the day for your family and your kids are so well behaved. It's like I wake up and I look like I just got run over by a truck. Like I'm covered in vomit and baby poop. And then like I've I've been up all night. It's like, can people just be honest about what their lives are largely mundane and then a big portion of them, it's also really shitty. And then they're Mm -hmm. just interspersed with these moments of, of happiness that that's how everybody on earth lives. Why can yeah. nobody be honest about that? It's so frustrating. And the political stuff too. It's, you know, people lack moral courage. And um, I don't know if you know who Greg Johnson is, but when I got doxxed, it was traumatic. Like uh, my local newspaper from my hometown saw a video and they like, they doxxed me and my family and it was just scathing. Like I, and I could, I couldn't believe that it happened. And it, it was, I was traumatized. Like it was so terrible. But I talked to Greg Johnson about it and he was like, listen, you can only get doxxed one time, once. And at that moment, after I got through that week, um, it was like I came back so much stronger. And I want people to realize that if you get canceled, it's not the end of your life. There, there's a group of literally millions of people who have been canceled. Like at a, mm-hmm. at a certain point, they're going to overplay their hand and there'll be so many of us that we can actually create our own society and our own network of commerce. It's like, if you guys really want to cancel everybody? I can't wait till everybody is canceled. It's going to be <laughs> awesome, you know? It's going to be yeah. like a party in hell. So so fine, go for it. Um, but you know, if these things are happening to people, uh, just have the moral courage to, to stand up for yourself. Because if you compromise your integrity, you will never get over that. You'll always feel bad about it. But if you get canceled, it'll it'll go away in a week. All right. Well, thanks. Uh, thank you for that. I think that because we've gone a little over, so I'm going to read the rest of the super chats. Okay. And after we've talked, depending on if they're you know uh, worthy of any little conversation, we'll finish that and then we'll wrap it up. So the Great Indoors 1979 makes a a post that I I want to comment on. Uh, maybe if you want to give your thoughts, he gives us two euros and he says. And I apologize. I'm sorry that you're paying in euros, but he gives us two euros and he says, I wonder what the welfare gap looks like. And he was it's kind of a joke. But one of the things that um, I think about that I think a lot of people miss is the wealth, the welfare, bringing up welfare is interesting because. Yeah. uh, One thing that um, a lot of MRAs even miss uh, is that the welfare state is a, a leftist program that men overwhelmingly pay for in the majority yeah. like i i think it's uh something like and i actually know i know a guy who who does a lot of research into statistics on this and it's essentially determined that men pay 80 percent of like welfare costs in their taxation so like in the way because men even though women are also paying into the taxes men pay more into taxes than women and women overwhelmingly benefit like they they're the ones taking out so and this is another example of how uh, you know when i say 
Uh, you can't really leave the system. So like, you know, when MGTOW say, well, I'm not going to get married and, you know, I'm not going to date or, or whatever. I, I'm not against that. I get it. I understand, you know, you should be careful with who you spend time with and you shouldn't participate in a system that is that wants to hurt you. But remember that you haven't actually escaped because if you're paying taxes, you are giving money to women. Yeah. Definitely. And you're giving money to women that don't deserve it because, you know, like they're either in a marriage where they don't need welfare because they're they're choosing to be a stay at home mom or whatever, or they're in the workforce. So if they're benefiting from welfare, then they're not doing those two things. Right. Yeah. So well, what do you think about that? Um. Yeah. I mean, I wish people could just opt out <laughs> of welfare. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, but but you can't. I mean. I think that uh, what we're going to have to do is, as a society, come to some sort of a agreement where we withhold our tax dollars for programs that we find morally repugnant. But I, I don't really know how we can go about that. And I am um, clamoring for a federal crime to be committed, so maybe I should shut my mouth. A what? A federal <laughs> crime. Yeah, I'm like uh, just talking about how people should commit horrible tax evasion. Oh, um, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I agree. It is a wealth transfer to women, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. And then lastly, Albert Data Retro gives us $5 Canadian and he says, hey, Brian, please send her a link to my North Country video. Yada, yada, yada. Thank you, sir. Uh, yeah. So he did this. This guy, he made a video about the making of a I don't know if it's a film or a show or something called North Country uh, that talks about all of the kind of sexual uh, harassment and uh, general uh, mistreatment that Charlize Theron and other people were doing to the men on set. Oh, really? Uh, it's essentially like a flip of, you know, what we usually get. Yeah, sure. I mean, like, I remember Brian Singer, right? This is something yes. just as an aside. Brian, you know what Brian Singer did yeah. to Hugh Jackman? Yeah. Where they played a prank on him. Uh, and he basically, like, uh, did this scene from X-Men 2. And he, like, comes out of this room and he's completely naked. And the entire cast is there, the whole crew. And they all see Hugh Jackman naked. And, and you know, it's a prank, right? Yeah. So, like, if everyone is, is, they all had a laugh or whatever, it's fine. But if that was a woman, we wouldn't hear the end of it. I mean, oh, like, God. that's, that you know, like, that that's the thing. Like, um, and and I, you know, I'm, I, I, I try not to be the kind of person that tries to match outrage with outrage. Because I, I don't think that's constructive. I would rather that we all just, like, grew some balls and just got over shit, you know, yeah. uh, instead. Because I don't want to feed into that so but yeah so um i if you want i can send you the link to that yeah like, afterwards okay and the uh, great indoors 1979 gives us five euros and says how would blonde compare the women accusing weinstein with the girls who are victims of lover boys i see a somewhat com comparable lack of agency girls who are victims of lover I'm boys actually not familiar with this phenomenon are you D does no I, I mean nothing's capitalized i'm not um are you saying oh wait maybe uh yeah i'm not sure what you're saying with that but one of the other things that i heard about weinstein i forgot to mention this there was a woman who was making accusations against against him and they described it as um she he had her under his thrall did you did you hear that was that was the the, the grave crime that weinstein committed he he was so charming Ugh. That he had her under his thrall. Yeah, I don't buy it. I mean, obviously, but this is like another one of these like weak accusations. So uh, I'm sorry, uh, Great Indoors. I'm not certain 
what you mean by girls who are the victims of lover boys. Yeah, um, I don't know either. And unless you're just talking about really charismatic guys that get women to fall for them or maybe trick them into sex, I don't. I don't think you can really. Could you trick a woman into sex? No. Could you like, I mean, like I'm not, I'm not without drugging them and or anything, but like you, could you coerce a woman with enough pressure to have sex with you? And then she discover afterwards that she didn't want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think you probably, I mean, I guess if you don't think they have as much agency. Yeah. I struggle with this because, uh, of my you know, inextricable link with myself. I, I have a yeah. hard time admitting <laughs> But I think that, that what we're talking about is the age old dance of like immoral misrepre- misrepresentation and, um, and kind of puffing yourself up a little bit as, as a man. Mm-hmm. It, it's one thing to just kind of exaggerate your good qualities, but to outright lie. Oh, I see. Like present a false, uh, what is it yeah. that Chris Rock says? People, when when men and women meet, they don't meet the people; they meet their representatives. Yeah, um, that's so funny and true. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that that's rape. Uh, I think the best example of this is like a a naive woman, kind of in the throes of love with a much more experienced man, and he's telling her like, "I'm gonna marry you. Or I'm, you're gonna mm-hmm. be the mother of my children, and everything." We're gonna and go then, to Cancun. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, and then she sleeps with him, and he's like, "I'm, you know, I'm done with you." Yeah. Or he's not there in the morning or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is that um, rape? No. Is it highly unethical? Yeah, for sure. Did he trick her into having sex? Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Yeah, I mean, but I guess the important thing is it's not it's not a crime. It just means, oh, you know, like um, we and and the one we should also be equipping people with the tools. So if they don't want to be tricked, then, you know, here are some things to look out for. I mean, do the best you can. You know, nothing is guaranteed. We've all made so, mistakes, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, we've all done the walk of shame. Um, all right. So Albert Nader Retro gives us five dollars Canadian and says it was Lee Cleary and it was just the women from the production staff. He also stabbed himself with the Wolverine claws. Oh, yeah, I know. I know about that. I did a video about that, too. All right. Yikes. I didn't know about it. Yeah. Else. Yeah. You can um, you can look that up. So we're going to. Uh, wrap it up here. So I, I wanted to talk about so much more, but we are, we are out of time because you have a baby that you're, uh, you got to deal with and yeah, all I that. Yeah, I hear so. my husband downstairs, like really struggling. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Towards the end there, <laughs> I'm like a, trying to. He's a champ, but <laughs> we're, we'll wrap it up here. Yeah. So I'll, I'll I'm going to go into the uh, patron only show for you guys. Um, unfortunately, Blonde's not going to be able to come with me, but we'll be able to chit chat for a while if, if I'm good enough. And um, I really appreciate you inviting me on. It was a great discussion. So thank you. Oh, so well, much. thank you. Yeah. No, I appreciate that a lot, too. So um, maybe what? Well, I guess I'll, I'll talk to you a little bit after uh, we're going to wrap it up here. Thanks, guys, so much for coming on. If you like this video, please hit like subscribe. If you're not already subscribed, hit the bell for notifications and leave us a comment. Also, share the video uh, around. Let's just see if anyone else wants to bite before everything <laughs> collapses. Yeah, really. So thank you guys so much for coming on the show. We'll talk to you in the next video. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.